check, 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 check. Okay, it's got to be him. Hello and welcome to the John Markham Leadership Podcast. I'm John Markham, lead pastor of Life City Church, and you are listening to episode three of our podcast series dealing with preaching and speaking publicly. And this is something I'm very passionate about and very excited about, and I'm looking forward to getting into the content for that here in just a moment. One quick thing uh, before we get into the material for today. Um, if you've been enjoying this podcast and learning from it and growing from it, feeling like God has been blessing you, growing you, stretching you in your leadership capacity, stretching you in your ability to preach and write sermons and prepare for the ministry that God has called you to, do me a favor. Rate me on iTunes. Uh, let me know that you've been listening to the podcast. Uh, give me a couple stars depending on how well you think this podcast is benefiting your personal uh, growth and ministry. And share with some of your friends on social media. You can uh, follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at John Markham, J-O-H-N-M-A-R-K-U-M, which you probably already knew if you're listening to this podcast. So I just wanted to uh, encourage you to do that. Help us get the word out to others who may grow from this as well. Uh, as I'm recording this podcast, I just want to let you know that uh, something that has been really impressing upon my heart here recently has not just been uh, the subject of leadership, but the subject of leadership multiplication. I've been reading several books, which I'm certainly going to get into here in the near future. I'm listening to, boy, probably a couple hundred hours now uh, of audiobooks and podcasts. And God has just really been expanding my vision for what uh, he's called me to do. And I believe by extension uh, that that is something that you will benefit from as well. Uh, I believe that uh, as the leader grows, everybody around them grows. I believe that uh, leaders are learners, and great leaders are great learners. And so I am attempting in my own life, in my own ministry, to be a great learner in order to be a great leader that reproduces great leaders. And so we've been working with our leadership at our church. We've been talking extensively about our multiplication process and dreaming big dreams and praying big prayers and believing that God is going to do something great in our midst in this next upcoming season. So I just want to share a little bit about that with you as we get into the content for today. But the content for today is preaching, not just preaching, but specifically, I want to address some of the mannerisms, attitudes, tics, and audience considerations that you need to know as you prepare to preach. Uh, honestly, a lot of this is um, stuff that if you didn't um, think about coming into a message, coming into a situation where you're about to preach, uh, then you could have great content, great scripture, and be um, ready to deliver it, but will actually fail in the execution of delivering it. There's a difference between a great sermon writer and a great preacher. And by God's grace, uh, I hope to help you become great at both through this series. If you listen to the last podcast, I walked through uh, how I actually write a sermon outline, which I know listening to may be a little bit interesting. Uh, as opposed to like watching it being done, uh, I use a whiteboard, but I walk through the steps of how I put together a, an actual sermon outline. I think that's something that not a lot of people are actually taught to do. They're taught about what an expository message is, but not actually taught how to write an expository message. They're taught uh, what a topical message is, and depending on what your um, church um, polity looks like or how your theological convictions are, no one ever preaches topical messages because they're from Satan. That's a joke. That's an exaggeration. I love topical preaching. I believe Jesus preached topical messages. 
um, and there there is a proper place and way to deliver topical messages, but no one ever actually shows us how to write these kinds of messages. They tell us what they are, they tell us why one's better or why one's perceived as better than the other, but then no one ever actually shows us how to write them. So if you listen to the last episode, and if you haven't, I hope you'll go back and listen to it, uh, but we talked in depth about how to write a sermon and, and how it has a specific kind of a cadence, a rhythm, a flow to it that is receptive to your audience and that is simple to communicate and yet is deeply profound in its ability to deliver God's word. So today I want to get into some of the mannerisms and tics and things that you need to consider as you approach a given audience. So one of the things that I've always just been impressed about uh, as I've been preaching, I've been preaching uh, every single week for about 10 years now. And God has really not only given me just immense opportunity to preach his word, but has given me a lot of opportunity to grow from other people as well. And uh, one of the things that I've just realized over the years, as I've delivered hundreds, thousands of sermons at this point, I don't even know anymore, um, is that the more prepared and, and practiced I am, and those are two important keys, the more prepared and practiced I am, the smoother my messages are, I don't just mean smooth, like, yeah, that was really smooth, that was really cool, Pastor John. I mean smooth in the sense of they're delivered clearly. The smoother my messages are, and the shorter my messages tend to be, and the more effective my messages tend to be. I think that, and again, this is depending on your church culture, but in a lot of evangelical circles, um, it's it's become sexy to preach these long messages. Why well, I, I preach for 45 minutes, while well, I preach for an hour. And, and it's become this thing. And, and what I've realized is that a long message and a good message are often two very different things. And I think there's a lot of guys out there, and you may be one of them, and so just be honest with yourself, if you're a preacher, uh, there's a lot of guys out there who think that they can effectively preach for 40 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour, and you really can't. You really can't. There's guys that can, that can take an hour-long message and make it feel like it was 20 minutes. And then there's guys who can take 20 minutes and make it feel like it's an hour. And I think that we're naive if we think that we're one but not the other. And so it takes a lot of honesty. It takes a lot of uh, self-awareness. And, and the length of the message is not important. The, the ability to effectively communicate God's word for life transformation is. And I talked about that in a couple uh, episodes ago as well on this subject of preaching. So I want to deal today with some of those mannerisms, some of those things about it. Um, here's just some of the things. I'm, this doesn't have a last one's a really detailed outline. We're going to walk through together. This one's going to be a little bit more free flowing, you know, just in the way I've kind of planned out this particular podcast. Um, but I think that I, I want it that way for a reason. And so I just want to talk through some of the things I do. So first of all, um, I practice my messages. I practice preaching. I practice preaching out loud. That is a really really important part of this to me because I'm going to be delivering it out loud. So it seems foolish to me to not practice it out loud. There's a quote, I don't know who it originated with, but it's one that I've used often. And the quote is something to this effect. It says that thoughts untangle themselves as they pass through the pen and lips. Thoughts untangle themselves as they pass through the pen and lips. And so here's what I do. Uh, I do everything I can to help untangle my thoughts and so I practice out loud, and I practice while writing things down. So I, I use a whiteboard as I prepare my messages. I think I mentioned that in the last couple of podcasts when we talking about preaching. Uh, but I use a whiteboard uh, when I practice my preaching, especially when I'm practicing out loud here in my office usually. 
And I find that immensely helpful. I jot things down, I can erase it, I can rearrange things with just a simple arrow and you know connected stuff. Some of you guys like to write your sermons on your on your computers. By the time I get to my computer and I sit down to actually type out my finished outline, I've already got the bones and most of the meat of the outline put together. I've got all my major points, I've got most of my sub points that we talked about last uh, last episode. I've got most of that already fleshed out, how I want to say it, specific directions I want to go, impressions I feel the Holy Spirit leading me towards that I've already thought through. Um, but I grind it out by practicing it out loud, by having the scriptures in front of me, and by jotting things down on the whiteboard. I practice out loud. You need to practice your message out loud because you're going to deliver it out loud. If you're only practicing it in the silence of your head or with your earbuds in at a coffee shop, then you're not going to deliver it as well. as Here's what you're going to do. In fact, you've already done this. In conversation, especially if you're a high extrovert like I am, um, you have been in a group setting or, or whatever, and jokes are flying, and everyone's having a good time, and then you say something that was really hilarious in your head, and then everyone's like, what? And it wasn't nearly as funny as you thought it was going to be, because in your head it sounded great, but then when you said it out loud, even you heard it, you're like, okay, that was a dumb idea. That wasn't as funny as I thought it was. And it may not be something inappropriate necessarily, but it's just, that was a dumb thing to say. It just wasn't funny. It wasn't, wasn't as hilarious as I thought it was going to be in my brain. And that's because in your head and when you say it out loud, it just comes across differently. So you need to practice preaching out loud, because what you'll do if you don't is you'll get in front of people to preach, and you'll have this zinger of a line that you thought's really just going to tie everything together that's going to expound the scriptures really clearly and help people connect with God, and it sounded great in your head, and then you're going to say it, and even you're going to be like, ugh, that was not what I thought it was. That didn't come across like I thought it would come across. So you got to practice out loud. you got to work through your outline out loud. Um, and this is grinding. I, I constantly, if I preached even a quarter of the things that I've actually said out loud while practicing, I would have a lot of, like, trash can fire sermons. <laughs> I just honestly would. Because most of the stuff that I say out loud as I'm practicing my messages, as I'm putting them together, are not the finished product. But I have to go through that process to get to it. And eventually I'll say something like, oh my gosh, that's exactly it. That's like the, the linchpin to this thing. That's the thing that we're missing here. That's a perspective on this passage that they need to hear. And so I'll quickly run to my whiteboard and I'll jot that down. And it may take a couple of evolutions before I actually get to the finished product. But that is the process of grinding it out. As I'm practicing it out loud because I'm going to deliver it out loud. And I'm using the whiteboard because it helps me to make sure I don't forget the really cool stuff that I eventually get to and say like wow that was great that was exactly it. that was a Holy Spirit kind of moment where just, the, just I just felt the Holy Spirit whisper in my heart as I was working through this passage I got to write that down I got to pass that on I got to share that with my church so practice out loud and, and, and whether you use a whiteboard or a sketch pad or whatever have say and, and I like that because there's something about writing it that is really helpful and I don't know if it's just because of the the ancient tradition of writing the, the, the messages of God down that, that just kind of evokes some nostalgia in me, or if it's the fact that there's just some, some fluidity to it that you can't get from a simple Word document on your laptop. But I like writing it down on a whiteboard. Um, you can use a sketch pad if that's more conducive for you, but I like the whiteboard because I'm already pacing around my office, practicing it out loud, and it helps me have a platform to write it down on as well. Um, repeat consistently what you want to stick. That's just another thing that I made uh, a note on as far as mannerisms and things that, that you do while preaching. Um, repeat consistently what you want to stick. Uh, there, there is, there, I do it here in the podcast. I just did now, in fact. 
but, but the point of that is, that is that when you repeat something, it has more weight, it has more merit. Now, you can overdo this, obviously, to where you're just like a broken record up there, and you're not really helping people remember stuff, you're more just annoying them, and you know the difference, but you gotta be on that line of, of being really repetitive versus almost really annoying before you know that it sticks. And if you do this often with the same congregation, then they'll kind of get a rhythm of this is how he preaches. I need to remember that. He's trying to make me remember it. Um, and, and the things that you repeat consistently, don't repeat everything, by the way, but the things that you consistently repeat to help stick, um, make them short and make them memorable to a point where they can be tweetable. I'm not saying that to be trendy. I'm not saying that because it's you know, one of the cool social media tools out there right now. But here's one thing I love about Twitter. Um, I use Twitter, and, and when I tweet, I, I almost never use any kind of like shorthand abbreviations or things like that when I, when I tweet. And I do that on purpose because by doing that, what I'm doing to myself is I'm creating a habit. I'm forcing a discipline of saying something really profound but really brief. Honestly, preaching can be summarized as that saying something really profound but really brief and and really th those statements those those statements that I'm trying to get to stick those those principles or those truths from God's word that I'm trying to help impart into people's hearts uh, you could just drop that and you know drop the mic and walk off and think you're done and forget a 20 minute 30 minute 40 minute message I could be done in 30 seconds right but here's the thing the rest of the message is supposed to be more like the the shaft of a spear and that that nugget of truth is like the tip of it that you're trying to drive home and and the tip of the spear is no good and unless it has something to, to drive that with. And your whole message may be building up that shaft until you have this, this sharp edge that you're going to drive through the heart of and make it stick. And you want to make that effective that way. So, so don't underestimate the rest of the message, but that, that, that point that you're trying to get to stick or those points that you're trying to get to stick, make sure they're short and get in the habit of saying smart things in short bursts and short sentences. And Twitter just happens to be a great way to practice that discipline. Um, here's something that I find happens a lot of times too with pastors, especially young pastors, new pastors, is you get passionate, you'll get on a roll, you'll feel the Holy Spirit just flowing through you, and you'll be really excited about what you're preaching, and you'll walk away from the platform because you're like, I don't even need my notes, I got the Holy Spirit, and you'll just like walk away and you'll get all excited, and then you'll get in this moment where you, you, you finish your thought, and you realize, I don't know what I was going to say next. And I'm nowhere near my notes. And now I got this long, awkward, quiet walk back after I just like was dropping these bombs of goodness, of truth, of, of God's word, and and now I don't know what to do. This is this is really simple. This is going to feel really pedestrian uh, when I say it, um, but but it makes sense. And and every preacher I know does this. I mentioned that whole repeating things that you you know, consistently repeating things that you want to stick. This is one of those times you do that. If you find yourself in that situation, or if you've wandered away from your podium, lectern, table, podium, you know, whatever uh, your, your platform is there, um, you know, pub table, whatever, um, and, and you've gotten to a place where you finished your thought, but now you got to make that awkward, it's almost like a walk of shame back to your podium because you don't know what you're going to say next. It's simple. Just repeat your last point and walk back to your notes. Repeat your last point and walk back to your notes. That's all you got to do. If you get passionate or if you get wandering around trying to trying to be, you know, fill the presence of the stage, then then you you know you and, and you forget what you're going to say next. Just repeat your last point and walk back to your notes. Uh, no one will even think anything about it. It's simple and honestly, every single preacher that I know that's been preaching for more than a couple of years, they all do it. Speaking of which, uh, I feel like there's often this. Um, need, especially in young preachers, to, to um, look confident by walking around a lot. 
you can overdo that, and when you do overdo it, it doesn't come across as confidence. It comes across as a nervous tick. So be careful of that. Here's the good rule of thumb. Consider the size of the platform that you have to work with and use that space well. Now, depending on the size of that platform, it may look very different. Um, if you're, I remember one of the first times I was preaching, um, I was preaching to a youth group and it was a packed Wednesday night. I mean, like it was like a hundred, if a fire marshal showed up, we would shut down for sure. There's, it was like 120 people in a room that I think could, uh, you know, by fire code seat, like maybe 45 people. I mean, there was bodies on top of bodies. It was nuts, which, which on one hand was really cool, right? That, that mean people were coming to this thing. But on the other hand, it was like, we are uh, like, there are chairs set up outside the door like around the door so people could sit in the chairs outside the door to listen in. It was really hilarious looking back on it. It was one of the neatest experiences of my life um, just getting started ministry. I was still in Bible college at that point. But I remember preaching and because of how tightly packed and all the chairs were, I couldn't go anywhere. I mean, I could barely get to the podium where I was supposed to stand to preach in the first place. And so uh, in, in that case, you just don't move. You, you don't have much to work with, so you, you, you use what you've got in this case. It's not much. So you stand there, and you use your hands more, and you look around the room more to fill the space better, but you don't walk around because you don't have anywhere to walk to. Um, and the, the opposite's also true. I've seen guys that have a huge platform and a lot of people in front of them, and they feel like they can't go anywhere because they're tied to their notes. They're tied to this podium. Uh, the more you use, the, the larger the space, the more you need to use that space so that you can uh, break up some of the dynamics of your message and so that you can appeal to more of the people in the room and walk towards them on a few occasions. So those are just a little bit of a broad uh, rule of thumb. Let me talk a little bit about some of the weird ticks that I've seen. And we all have them. If you don't think you have any, then ask the people that you're preaching to because you do. Uh, anyone who's watched you preach more than once or twice can tell you you always do this or you never do that or this thing that you do is weird or whatever. And there's a couple that are verbal uh, weird ticks that we do. And you, you have yours, I have mine. You might be um, 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 um. Uh, my wife has has a tick that, that's kind of funny. She goes, with her with her with her tongue and then Tara shows, and um, then we're gonna do this and um, next week is the ladies thing and and, uh, and that's that's one of her things that she does. Uh, the 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 uh is another one. I know a lot of guys that are guilty of the uh, and we can all do these things. Now I'm of course like self conscious that I don't do it because I just said don't do it, but we all do them. And the thing that I've noticed is that this is. Um, a sign of one of two things more often than not. It's a sign that a person is either unpolished or they're nervous. You're, you're, you're unprepared. You didn't prepare enough. You didn't, you didn't go over your message enough. You didn't go over your notes enough. You didn't nail this down, refine it enough to get down to that distilled uh, sweet spot of what you want to preach and what you want to say and how you want to say it so you don't know how to say it so you fill it with filler words like uh, um, uh, 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 and you, you just break up the flow of your message as a result or you're nervous. And here's just one of the things that I've found, because I've known some guys who've written some great messages that have had great content, but have sucked at delivering it because it's constantly broken up with these um, uh, 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 sounds and noises and filler expressions. And here's the thing that I found, because you can practice it and then you get up there in front of people and something transforms in your brain. And all of a sudden, uh, your mouth runs twice as fast as your brain. And that's what, what happens a lot of times, and we call it nervousness, but you need to intentionally slow your mouth down so that your brain can say exactly what it wants its mouth to say. 
And it's just something that we do. We get ahead of ourselves. We get excited. Let me tell you today. With, uh, and, uh, 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 and then we start stumbling over our words or, or saying partial words or having to repeat stutter our words or add filler words like the ums and uhs. And so when you intentionally slow your mouth down so that your brain can say exactly what you want it to say, you come across more polished, more prepared, more confident in what you're there to deliver. Now, here's the thing. I was just practicing that in front of you right now. If I were doing this in a one-on-one -on -one kind of a setting, if I were talking that way, it would come across as condescending. But when you do that in a crowd, when you do that when you're in front of people, then you're teaching, you're articulating, you're selecting your words intentionally and with great care. And that does not sound condescending. Now, if you're doing that one-on-one, -on -one, you sound like you sound like a jerk, quite frankly. So be mindful of that. You sound like you're talking down to people. Like, hey, dude, I'm not a child. You don't have to talk to me that way. Um, and, and, and even in my conversations on this podcast, I try to make it very natural, and so I don't necessarily talk in that kind of a tone. Uh, and you can take it too far where that's your preacher voice or that's your preacher tone. Don't be that guy either. You want to be yourself. You just want to slow your mouth down so that you can say exactly what you want to say. So just remember that, that when you get in front of people, especially if you're new to public speaking or if you're new to preaching or if you've only done it for a few months or even a few years, that you can have this tendency to get up in front of people and your mouth just starts, starts rattling off and your brain can't keep up and eventually you stutter over your words, you stumble over them or you add filler expressions and it doesn't come across smooth and polished. I, I, I mentioned in the beginning, I've been preaching consistently, weekly, more than once a week for the better part of 10 years at this point, 12, 13 years, I don't even know anymore. And I still have that tendency. I have to consciously tell myself, all right, slow my mouth down so my brain can say exactly what I want to say. And it's just a thing that we got to do. It's just a thing that we got to do. Now, here's another thing that's a weird tick thing. What do I do with my hands? <laughs> what do I do with my hands? I've noticed it's something I always watch new preachers do because it's kind of funny, honestly. It's, it's amusing to me to watch them try to figure out what to do with their hands. Especially if they're trying to be like hip and chic and all that and not preach from a podium. I'm going to go no podium. I'm going to go no table. I'm, I'm just going to, I'm just going to, I'm just going to interact with them and dialogue them. And I'm like, okay, cool. So what are you going to do with your hands? So the very first time that I thought I was going to be that guy, that I thought I was going to be cool, and I'm not going to preach from a podium or a platform or a table or anything like that. I'm just going to, I'm just going to be there. I'm going to be really relational in my preaching. Um, I realized I brought my Bible up there with me with my notes, and of course now I've got to figure out where do I put this. And I thought I'm a genius. I'll just, I'll just hold on to it. I'll just, I'll just hold God's word the entire time I preach. Now I'm left-handed, so I naturally make gestures with my left hand, and so I held my Bible with my right hand. At the time, I was having this good quality old school black leather preacher bible you know the one i'm talking about and uh and, and it was a nice big fat study bible and it doesn't weigh that much but compared to other bibles it does but it probably only weighs like maybe two pounds three pounds tops i would say but if you hold your bible in your right hand or left hand or whatever at a and your elbow is at a 90 degree angle and you hold it there for however long you think you can preach effectively whether it's 20 minutes or 30 minutes or an hour and you just hold your bible there like that by the time you get done one if you do that every day like you'll have like a really like disproportionate bicep but two your arm will be so tired by the end of it it's not really smart that was a thing that i learned not to do after one week because my elbow was killing me my arm was killing me uh, but what do you do with your hands? What do you do with your hands? What do you do with your arms? Um, if you, One of the things that was given to me as a piece of advice, and this was back in college, and it was a great piece of advice. It said, videotape yourself, and then listen to your message, watch your message, 
but then do something that's really uncomfortable. Play the whole message, but play it in like fast forward. And this was back in the day when we recorded messages on VCR tapes, on, on, on like VHS tapes. Um, and so like you could fast forward and like watch yourself doing all this. You can still do it on DVD now, but or on any other kind of recording, but it is really, really funny. Like we watch other videos of it like, and it's comical, but then we watch ourselves, and it's just like, Ugh. but what you do when you see that is you see the things that you repetitively do all the time with your mannerisms, with your body language, with your hands. Um, and it's kind of funny guys that are nervous and think they have to walk around a lot. And so I just, just it's like a ping pong match going back and forth, like, like back and forth, like a weird kind of like clock pendulum or something. It's just, it's, it's pretty funny, but the hands thing become another thing. So I see guys are just like waving their hands constantly when you play their video and fast forward, it just looks like they're just waving their hands. Like they're trying to stir up a cyclone or something or fan themselves. It's really interesting. Um, so, so doing that helps you see the things that you just repetitively do almost to the degree of being incessant about it. And it helps you be more aware of it. I see guys stick their hands in their pockets. I would discourage you from sticking your hands in your pockets. I do it. It's just a natural. I see some guys touch their face a lot. That's weird. Don't touch your face a lot. Um, make gestures that are open-handed. Make gestures that are that are not like pointing at people. That's that's a little bit um, uh, over the top, old school, um, confrontational. Um, but just be light and just normal conversation with your, with your hands like you normally would. If you don't know what to do with your hands, uh, hold a microphone, uh, put them on the podium, put them on the table, put them in your lap if you're sitting in a stool. Um, all of that's fine. Uh, just be mindful of what you're doing with your hands. Another thing is your legs and your feet. I've seen guys and women who have been speaking, preaching, giving devotions, whatever, do a lot of weird things with their feet, with their legs. Uh, the one that seems to be common with women, I've seen some guys do it too, but it seems like women in particular do this a lot, um, that when you're standing up and speaking to people and you're nervous, you tend to cross your legs while standing, while standing. Uh, here's just the kind of short rule of thumb with your feet, with your legs. Um, constantly keep them in a position of, of strength. Uh, uh, and what I mean by that is um, when, when you're lifting weights or you're working out or you're playing sports, you know, you're told to keep your feet you know, about shoulder width apart. That's a generally good rule of thumb. Keep your knees slightly bent. I've seen guys fall down, pass out, knee, knees or legs lock up while trying to walk up to a podium or walk down or whatever. Uh, just relax your legs. Keep them loose and don't cross them. That looks like you're insecure. It looks like you're um, unsure of yourself. Don't be unsure of yourself. Be confident. Uncross your legs. Be confident in how you sit. Now, if you're sitting, that's a different story. Um, you can cross your legs or put a leg, you know, your knee, leg over your knee or whatever. That's that's fine. You know, whatever's appropriate, of course. But um, but that's a little bit different when you're sitting down. Uh, and so just be just be aware of that. That'd be really helpful. Uh, eye contact is another big thing about just mannerisms and weird tics. Um, I know people who are terrified of making eye contact with people that they're speaking to. And I feel like there's, there's some group dynamics that come into play with that. And so like with a smaller group, it's hard to preach and make eye contact with people. Which you think is the opposite of the case, because you think if there's only like 10 or 12 or 20 people in a room, it'd be really easy and natural to make eye contact with them. It's not that many of us, it's just, it's just second nature. But it actually gets more difficult when there's less people. And so just be mindful of that. Intentionally make eye contact that says, I'm speaking to you. Um, where there's a larger crowd, and again, larger crowds tend to have larger stages, so you need to move around a little bit more, but that also gives you the ability to make more eye contact. 
If you don't know where to look and you're terrified and you're scared, you can look at your notes, but you can't stay focused on your notes. You need to be looking up consistently. And just one of the pieces of advice I was given a long time ago was uh, don't look up like up at the ceiling, but look just over people's heads in the back. And if you do that, then you're not actually uh, getting distracted by looking at people's eyes and being, being uh, distracted by that. But you're also at least giving the illusion that you're making eye contact with people. But I would encourage you to actually make eye contact, to actually look at real people. You're speaking to people. You're, you're communicating to them. And by making eye contact, people tell me all the time, like, wow, I feel like you're preaching that right to me. I'm like, well, I kind of was. <laughs> you know, I kind of was you're preaching that right to you. I made eye contact with you. Um, I will also discourage you from making eye contact with the same person all the time. Mix it up. Look at different people. Notice different people as you preach. And this gets better the more you do it and the more practiced you get at it. But if you're just looking at one person the whole time, whether it's your spouse or somebody that you know they need this message, I hope Jesus is telling them what they're doing wrong. Like, like you got to lighten it up a little bit. You got to look at other people. You got to make eye contact with more than just. And and you got to be aware too of some of the things that distract you. And, and so I, I know there there was in, in my previous church uh, context uh, there was a person in our church. Uh, I'm not going to mention their name because other people who are listening to this might know who I'm talking about. But their expression on their face when they were really into and listening to what you were saying, they were concentrated, they were focused, but it was the same exact expression that they made when they were thinking, when you were kind of getting the impression that they were thinking to themselves, I completely disagree with everything they're saying. It was, but both, both had this like really concentrated kind of look on their face. But when you're preaching and you're trying to like drive something home and you make eye contact with somebody who looks like you're not sure if they're digging what you're saying, if they're picking up what you're putting down, or if they think you're like a heretic, like, I think you're completely wrong. That's really distracting when you're trying. And so you start like, you know, thinking to yourself, like, should I backpedal and explain it a little better way? Or should I like, so, so some of those kinds of things you need to realize, okay, I'm not going to get what I need from that person in terms of like feeding off of the crowd. That's not their fault. It's just the way that they look when they're concentrating and they're they're getting into it that's their that's their thinking face and that's a good thing and so just be mindful of those things and don't let that stuff get in your head so that you get distracted from what you're trying to say now if everybody's giving you that look now maybe you said something wrong and you need to figure out what you did uh, and, and in real time that's really funny and may God have mercy on your soul because the audience will not so try not to get into that situation if you can help it um, a couple other quick things here I think knowing your audience is really important and uh, and so here's just kind of a, a thought to that okay um, youth are a major part of the focus of my ministry at my church um, and so I like to incorporate them in my preaching I feel like that's just a good practice in general not to single them out or weird them out but so that they first of all know this is a church for you you matter to this church but also because I like to consider how the youth are gonna take this when I'm preaching uh, in fact, I'll even go a step farther. I feel like if you can't preach to students very well, then you probably can't preach to lost people very well. That your preaching um, is is going to, if you want to preach in a way that leads people to find life in Jesus Christ, then you should probably become great at preaching to students. Like, well, that's not really the focus of my ministry. Make it the focus of your ministry. Well, God didn't make me to be a youth pastor, but you're saying he called you to be a pastor? Well, I got some news for you. Youth are a part of your congregation. Learn to speak to youth. Learn to speak to unsaved, unchurched youth. If you can do that well and hold their attention for a few minutes, 
then uh, I am confident that your ability to preach to lost adults will be dramatically improved. So that's something I consistently think about. And just, just so you know a little bit of our context, we don't have a separate youth service during our Sunday morning worship gatherings. We think that that, that creates a bad dynamic in our church. Um, we think that it gives us permission to forget about the youth in the way we do our services, and we never, ever, 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 ever want to get to that place. We want to constantly keep students uh, in the forefront of how we're doing ministry, um, and that's just that's just the way we feel about it. We think that's something that God would have us to do, and we think that's one of the greatest flaws in the American church because you know, we create the system where youth grow up in church, and they have this great, awesome youth experience, and then they turn 18, they graduate high school, and they're expected to go to the main adult service, and it's nothing like the experience they had in youth. And so they feel like this church doesn't care about them. They feel like this is church isn't for me. And so they either kind of uh, linger around the youth ministry for a little while until, it's, until they realize, I don't belong here anymore. Or they end up just falling out of church altogether. And so we want to empower youth to know that this church belongs to them. This isn't just their mom and dad's and grandma and grandpa's church. This is their church as well. And we focus on not just being a multi-generational church, but being an intergenerational church. Uh, that's another thing. Um, I could get into that more in a future podcast, perhaps. Um, another thing about knowing your audience, reach, um, uh, reach across generations. Reach across generations. Um, kind of tying back into the last thing I was just saying about youth, but reach across generations. Um, and what I mean by that is that while we have a focus on youth, we don't have a exclusionary focus on youth. We, we, we focus on them, but we are considerate of the fact that we have people from multiple generations in our church and in our congregation. And we even teach them, like, hey, you know, this is for you, but it's, but it's going to be about them more than it's going to be about you. And you need to be okay with that because we're here not just to reach, not, not, not just to minister to you, make you feel good in your faith, but to make sure that your children and grandchildren have a faith like you had, have a church like you had. And it'll look a little bit different, but the faith will be the same. Anyway, that's another thing. But when I think about that, though, when I consider how I'm going to reach across generations, how I'm going to keep this an intergenerational congregation, um, I, I regularly think to myself, how is a person in this generation going to take this? Am I going to have to explain this more than I want to explain it? And occasionally I'll throw bones to everybody a little bit. And so I'll say something that I know the youth will get, but maybe their moms and dads won't, or their, their grandparents and grandparents won't. It's nothing shady or anything like that. But, it, but it's stuff that I know that the, the students are going to crack up and laugh about. It'll be like a little inside joke. And when the parents find out what I'm talking about, they won't be offended. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not doing anything inappropriate, you understand. But it makes them feel like they're important. They, they, they get to be a part of this. And there's a special uh, bond that, that, that they get to have with their church because they know something that the pastor talked about that the rest of the church doesn't. It's really cool. But I do the opposite as well. I do the same thing with the older generation. I, I talk about, uh, I had somebody this week, I'm going to use it the next time I preach actually. I had somebody this week contrast millennials and adults and I almost fell out of my chair laughing when they said that <laughs> because millennials um, today depend on who you ask but their age range is between about 18 and 28 uh, again depending on who you ask some say up to like 32 or so um, but I'm like yeah, but more of my point is that millennials are adults now um, and depending on who you ask they may or may not act like adults but that's another podcast also but my point is is that I'll say stuff like that I'll rib millennials even though I'm barely out of that generation I'm a Gen Xer uh, but uh, but I'll do that because because it, it creates some some laughter but it also creates some bonding and, and it helps every generation say this is my church and uh, and it creates some great little interactions after services too it's really great but but I think to myself how would this generation honestly take that 
How would they perceive this kind of thing? Even the kind of words you use, the things, and again, depending on what your age is, the things that meant one thing to you may mean something very different to the next generation or to the last generation. Again, if you're young and you're saying one thing, that may mean something completely different to another generation. I, just just one, one example. I've got a lot of people uh, who are closer to my age, who are a little bit older than me, but about the same age as me. Uh, other pastors, they'll say, man, that was dope. That was dope, yo. And a lot of them were more urban ministries and stuff. And, and they mean it as that was, that was awesome. Like, I want some more of that. That was great. Um, but to a certain generation or to a certain demographic, that, that was like, dude, you're, why would you even reference something like that? That's, that's something that's like destroyed lives. Like, like, I used to deal dope back in the day. Like, why would you even reference that? That's not funny. And so just be mindful of who you're talking to and how they're going to take the things that you're going to say. You can't second guess every single word that you're going to say. You have to be true to who you are in, at a certain level, but you also need to realize that by being who you are, you're going to attract certain people and you're going to turn off certain people. And you need to make sure that you're willing to take those, um, those risks. Um, but just as a, just as a final thought to that, I guess I, I just made a decision a while back that I'd rather be misunderstood rather than ignored. So I'm called to give a message. Uh, I can, I can, I can play it safe and not, say anything and not worry about hurting anybody's feelings or I can uh, risk being misunderstood occasionally but being effective where God's called me to be effective. Um, two last thoughts and I'll leave you with this. Uh, the, second, the, the, the first one is um, be self-deprecating. Be self-deprecating. If you can be self-deprecating and still be confident, first of all, people are eager to listen to you. I feel like that's one of the, the it's like a spoonful of honey that attracts all the flies kind of a thing. It, it's just something that, that draws people to you because you know who you are and you're willing to be honest about your flaws. I find consistently that God uses my weaknesses far better than my strengths. And so I am consistently self-deprecating in my preaching. Not in the sense of being like, there's an, ex an extent of doing it that, that, that's like false and fake and like a, like a false humility kind of a thing. And that's not attractive. People smell fake a mile away. Uh, and there's another degree that's like overboard that's almost like self-punishing kind of a way. What I'm really talking about is just be honest about your flaws. Even joke about them to a degree. Like, you know, I really screwed that up. And let people, you know, laugh at your expense a little bit. By doing so, you win rapport with them and you give them the opportunity to speak into their flaws because you're open about yours. It buys you credibility, it buys you rapport, and it helps people relate to you because you're not trying to make yourself the hero of all your stories. So be self-deprecating. And last of all, last of all, la I swear, last of all and most important, be bathed in prayer. Be bathed in prayer. I know that sounds like something I should have said at the beginning, but I feel like if I said at the beginning, you'd be like, yeah, 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 I need to pray, and you would have moved on. Listen, I have given some great messages I've written and delivered some amazing messages that I didn't pray much over. And they did not work out the way I thought they would. I felt like I've preached at 10 and people should be getting saved and nothing happened. And at the same time, there have been messages that I've struggled through and I've had to grind through and I've delivered them and I didn't think they went that well. Like maybe on a scale between one and 10, they're like maybe a six at their best. I mean, I didn't, I mean, I did prepare, I did you know, do my job, but it just didn't, just things didn't come good. And God has anointed those messages and God has led people to salvation and, and, and that is a work of God. And over and over and over again, God demonstrates to me and through me that he will bless my weakness far more than I can bless my strengths. You can prepare, you can be have like the most 
killer message that you've like worked on, that you've polished, that, that you've been in the Word, but you haven't spent some time on your knees praying to God for Him to move, and it will be for nothing. I've saved this point for last because if I did it up front, you'd have said, yeah, yeah, I know I need to pray, you would have moved on. I want you to get this. You can be a great preacher and a terrible pastor if you can give great messages, but the Holy Spirit hasn't anointed, hasn't blessed, hasn't breathed into what you're going to say. God will let you do it, but he won't bless you. You need to be completely fundamentally dependent on prayer. If you've listened to all these podcasts, but you don't get this point, then, you'll, then I'll have done you a great injustice. You'll be a good communicator and a terrible pastor, a terrible preacher even. Because the Holy Spirit won't use what you haven't laid at the foot of the cross. So I, I, I beg you, be a man, be a woman of prayer. Be committed to seeking God's favor. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. There's a lot of people who build great sermons, great messages, great churches that are not built on seeking God's face. And if you are no different, then you will be a failure in the eyes of God while being a success in the eyes of the world and even a success in the eyes of your church. Don't be that person. Don't be that man. Don't be that woman. Be a person of prayer. Be grounded in seeking God. I challenge you to spend some consistent time fasting. Uh, I, I don't think I've gotten into this yet about my preaching calendar, but I regularly spend some time every year, at least a couple of days, fasting. And I'm not saying that to brag, I'm saying that to say that's how serious I take the communication of God's word. That, that I, I want to see God's face, I want to be on my knees, I want to be committing some focused time in prayer annually. Not, not just praying, but fasting and seeking God and realizing. And what I'm doing when I'm fasting is I'm saying, God, I depend on you. Yes, I need to eat, but that can wait right now. I need to hear from you unless you speak, unless you move, unless you act. All of this effort, all these series, all this preaching, all these great outlines that I think I can write, all of them will mean nothing. Jesus said himself, apart from me, you can do nothing. I think you can do things apart from Jesus. And I mean, obviously in the ultimate sense, no, you can't. Nothing happens unless he wills it. But I think you can do some things apart from Jesus, but apart from him, it all amounts to nothing. You can spin your wheels, you can, you, can, you can go all day, and it all amounts to nothing if you have not been seeking the face of Jesus in your preaching, in your delivery. And I know I've been te te you're talking about this for a minute, but I want to drive this home. I want this to be the last thing that you remember. Spend some time in prayer. Seek God's face. Everything I've given you are great tools, great skills that you can develop, but if you don't spend some time in prayer, then it's all nothing. I'm John Markham. You've been listening to the John Markham Leadership Podcast. Once again, just want to encourage you, if this has been something that you've been growing from, take a minute and rate me on iTunes. Let other people know by sharing. You can tag me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, at John Markham, J-O-H-N-M-A-R-K-U-M. And I'd really appreciate it. Till next time, take care, do the work of your calling, and God bless.